We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Six Man Show on Orlando Magic Podcast with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic Basketball. Five fans, four fans. Go Magic. What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. Today is September 15th, 2022. Jonathan Osborne here, special guest this week, no Luke Sylvia. He is in Sacramento, so I'm joined by everyone's favorite producer, Kevin. What's up? Jonathan, hello, listeners and viewers of the Six Man Show. Greetings. Glad to be back, as always, on my favorite podcast. It's good to be here. Well, I'm glad to hear that it's your favorite podcast. That is great. (laughs) Cue all the more Kevin Tucker or producer Kevin comments that we're going to get on YouTube. I'm sure we'll get them on Twitter. You know, Kevin likes to be the the man behind the scenes most of the time, but always a pleasure when he's able to join us on the show here. We have a very special episode planned for you all today. Obviously, we're going to talk about Franz Wagner. Franz Wagner literally taking the world by storm. That is not hyperbole. We're serious about that. And then we had a good chat with our buddy Jay from Magic Player History, one of our patrons, Um, but he runs the Magic Player History Instagram, Twitter, YouTube channel. We had a really good conversation with him. That will come later on. Quick bit of magic news here before we get into some other things. Joel Ayayi has signed an Exhibit 10 contract with the Orlando Magic. Orlando Magic, that was a weird way to say magic. But I'm assuming he's going to be at training camp with the Orlando Magic. Uh, He was a former teammate of Jalen Suggs at Gonzaga. So a little bit of a fun connection there. Don't think he's going to make the roster, Kevin. What about you? Yeah, I, I think this is um, our 47th guy on the roster now. So, um, you know, the, <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, we've got a lot of guys on the roster and and a lot of these, you know, guys we've added over the last couple months, they're not going to be on the team. But more than anything, it is just trying guys out, you know, maybe figuring out who might go to Lakeland, all that kind of stuff. But hopefully he has a good, good camp. Um, like you said, former teammate of Jalen. Um, so I'm sure that'll be fun, but yeah, hope, hope he has a good camp and then we'll see kind of how the roster shakes out, which it's crazy to think about. We're a week and a half from camp. Is that right? 12 days. That's crazy. Wow. You know, media day coming up on the 26th. Uh, right. It's funny that Kevin is joining me on this podcast because Luke won't be able to make it to media day, but we will be at media day. This is going to be our first ever official 
Orlando Magic Media Day. Kevin, I'm stoked. Yeah, I'm stoked too, especially at the new Advent Health Training Center is where Media Day is going to be held. So you and I get to get to check that out. So that'll that'll be a lot of fun. Going to be pretty sick. Appreciate the magic, um, you know, letting us come through for this, you know, covering the team for a few years now, trying to do our best. And uh, yeah, just appreciative to the magic for the opportunity. Should be a lot of fun. You guys have been listening to the show or watching on YouTube for the past several weeks. You've heard us talk about our preseason night coming up on October 14th for the Orlando Magic home preseason finale against the Cleveland Cavaliers. That game is going to be at 7 o'clock. Uh, basically, we're just putting together a group of folks trying to fill out the lower bowl the best that we can to make some noise for our Orlando Magic. Let them know that we're going to be supporting them big time in the regular season. If you want to join us for that night, you can find the tickets at FIVO, which is spelled F-E-V-O dot M-E slash the six man show. That's FIVO dot M-E slash the six man show. Tickets are running out. So if you want to join us for this event, make sure you grab your tickets now. Pause the video, stop the episode, go buy your tickets now. And then a big hand for our boy, John McCall, who's helping us put together this entire event, by the way. He's hooking up two lucky fans that purchased tickets to our preseason night. He's going to be hooking up two lucky fans with two tickets each to the preseason game versus the Grizzlies on October 11th. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And if you want to have a chance to win two extra tickets, you can purchase tickets again, FIVO.me slash the six man show. It's going to be a lot of fun, Kevin. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I did want to mention, obviously, you should come to this because of what the event is, you know, a six-man show event at, at the game. You know, obviously, we're talking about cultivating a new fan energy in the lower bowl. But there's another reason you should come to this. And I'm going off script a little bit. You can want to, you can go see the uh, wannabe New York Nick Donovan Mitchell, potentially. You saw those comments today, right? Like him talking about the Knicks. It's like, ooh, that's kind of kind of weird, huh? Yeah, I, I don't love that if I'm a Cavs fan. No. So if, if you missed what we're talking about, Donovan's basically opening presser with the Cleveland Cavaliers. They were being, you know, he's being asked about the trade and, you know, what he thought was going to happen with the trade. And he says, you know, once he saw Rudy get traded, he kind of had a feeling that something was going to happen. But he goes, I honestly, he's like, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I thought it was going to be New York. And he said he was like looking forward to being traded to the Knicks, being closer to his family and everything. It's like so he's like, you know, it would have been nice, but now he's in Cleveland. <laughs> what a terrible first impression. If I'm a Knicks fan, I'm like literally punching the air. If I'm a if I'm a Cavs fan, I'm just like I mean, I, I'm I'm sure that he's going to give Cleveland his full effort. He's under contract there for another I believe four seasons, but that is definitely not what you want to hear from your star guard. Literally the first opportunity that they have to talk about the team. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that just kind of cracked me up. But all that to say, yeah, come to the, the preseason night. Uh, it's definitely going to be a lot of fun, a lot of obviously getting to see the magic. But also, joking aside, that Cavs team is, I think, going to be super fun and super competitive. So should be a fun uh, preseason outing. And we've talked about this before. When you think preseason, you may be thinking like NFL preseason, where like the preseason finale, you never see starters in because they're holding them for the regular season. And the NBA, that's Really the opposite. It's not the case. The preseason finale is usually like a regular season game dress rehearsal. So guys are going to play their regular minutes. You're going to see what should be the opening night rotation. So you will see guys like Donovan Mitchell for the Cleveland Cavaliers, Darius Garland, Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, as long as all of those guys are healthy. So this is going to be like 
kind of like a preseason marquee matchup for the Orlando Magic. And not to mention, you're going to see guys, Paolo Bancaro, Franz Wagner, Markel Fultz, Jalen Suggs, Wendell Carter, hopefully Jonathan Isaac. We have not gotten news on that. I'm assuming we should know here in the next 12 days whether or not we're going to see Jonathan Isaac for preseason and, and the regular season and you know training camp to boot. So it's going to be a fun time. I'm going to tell you for the third time, get your tickets at Fivo.me slash The Six Man Show. That's Fivo, F-E-V-O dot M-E slash The Six Man Show. I've been waiting to talk about this all day with my boy Kevin here. Franz Wagner, the German wonder child. Germany with the victory over Greece in the Eurobasket quarterfinals on Tuesday. Tuesday. Germany had a 20-1 to run in the third quarter. Giannis Antetokounmpo ends up completely fouling out of this game in the fourth quarter. Germany already had a pretty comfortable lead at that point, but when Giannis was out of the game, you just kind of knew that it was going to be over, Kevin. Franz Wagner specifically in this game in 26 minutes, 19 points, 7 of 12 from the floor, 5 of 7 from the three-point line, 4 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal, 1 block. Germany with the 107-96 victory over Greece. Kevin, what were your thoughts of, of this game? Well, it's funny, Jonathan. I'm sitting here and kind of having a flashback because if you recall, way back in November, it was you and I that did an emergency podcast the night that Franz Wagner announced his presence in the NBA against the Minnesota Timberwolves on the road. Good, good you and I, at the end of that game, were like, we got to record this. We got to yeah. talk about what just happened. I, I and can't in some tell ways, you how close I came to asking that yesterday. <laughs> in some ways, we're kind of full circle here now because... I feel like yesterday or Tuesday against Giannis was another one of those like, you know, statement moments for Franz, a guy that all of us Magic fans have known over the last, you know, NBA season. We knew, you know, what we had and what we think, you know, we were going to have in the long run with with Franz Wagner. But yeah, that showing on Tuesday was just another announcement to the not just the NBA, but the world of who he is and who he's becoming, um, because obviously the stat line is great and we'll talk more about you know, how he looked and everything. But a lot of the comments sometimes you get um, when we're talking about Eurobasket is the competition, right? The competition, you know, they're playing against X, Y, and Z, not all NBA players, all that kind of stuff. Well, he played against a pretty dang good NBA player <laughs> on Tuesday. Like maybe the best in the league, depending on who you ask, um, and scored all over him uh, on multiple occasions. Not even one uh, of the best players in the NBA. One of the best defensive players in the NBA, multi-time yep. defensive player of the year winner, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah. And so to make Yanni look like that, well, I mean, you know, Yanni's still Yanni, but you know, he, he, he did a lot of awesome things in that game uh, on Tuesday. And yeah, it was a, it was a cool moment for sure. So I'm not really like, I don't like to brag about like things that happen on social media, like for us, unless like they're just really crazy. So I see frauds hit this in Giannis's face. And as soon as it goes down, like I my my brain just shut off for like three seconds and did like a full complete reboot. And I was like, did I just see <laughs> what I think I saw? Franz with like the close to 30 foot step back jumper in Giannis's face to put them up. I think at that point it was going to put them up. What was it? 13, 13 or 14, something like to, that. Yeah. To, yeah. So they're up nine. So he hits the three. So it puts them up 12. 12, okay. Put them up 12 with seven minutes and 40 seconds to go. And at this point, like the game really feels like it's getting out of hand for Germany. So I, I clip it. I put it to Twitter. 
within about five minutes, Kevin had a hundred likes. That never ever happens for us. Currently, that video has oh my goodness, I'm pulling it up here. 150 retweets, 86 quote tweets, almost 1,100 likes. That video has 225 and a half thousand views across Twitter right now. Kevin O'Connor retweeted it. It got retweeted by um, like the Hoop Central on Twitter, which has over a million followers on Twitter. So the video just exploded. So it was cool for us, but it was like I was explaining this to my to my wife today that it wasn't just the story in Magic Twitter. It was the story yesterday across NBA Twitter that Franz Wagner was putting on for Germany, and it specifically on that play cooked Giannis Antetokounmpo, and it was just a massive deal. Right, and I, I don't want to like focus in on one play so much. You know, obviously the whole performance was great, but it you know if you haven't seen it, first off, go watch specifically this clip because this wasn't like a a Giannis casual you know hand up you know, defensive moment. Like Giannis actually went for it. Like, you know, and we all know his reach is ridiculous. Um, so for for the step back, truly with Giannis's hand in his face and also the the importance of the moment, like you said, it was only a single-digit game at the time. Uh, but also, like you said, you could feel the momentum was swinging. So all of those things combined into that moment, it was, it was very, very sweet. Um, and especially, you know, we can talk about the fact that there was a lot of question marks about him playing in this game at all, you know, because, you know, as of our last episode, if you listen to our show on Monday, you know, there are a lot of question marks because of his ankle uh, from that game. What was it Saturday, Sunday, Saturday, maybe whenever it was that they, they played um, previously a lot of question marks. Right. Um, and so for him to come out there, potentially not at a hundred percent on that ankle play as well as he did put the game away. Like he did all of that combined. It was just like, it, it was unreal. You you saw people, you know, like you know, Kevin O'Connor tweeted out that, you know, Franz like leap year is is coming. There was another um s- somebody verified that follows the NBA said, Yeah, Franz is gonna be like one of my all time L's, like in terms of like pre draft scouting and what his projections were gonna look like in the NBA. And I think that's true for everybody. I, I like I don't I don't harp on people like, Oh, you didn't know that Franz was gonna be good, what's wrong with you? The people that don't realize it up to this point, like, yeah, I'm like, okay, you're you're literally living under a rock or you're just ignoring the Orlando Magic. But for the folks that couldn't see this coming pre-draft, none of us saw it coming. Like you and I, you can go back and watch the the video from you know the the 2021 draft. We were like, okay, all right, we drafted Braun yeah. Wagner. Let's see what the kids got. And it's just yeah, really exciting. Yeah, you can go watch that video along with all the Raptors fans that still watch it. Oh my! We get comments every single day from Raptors fans <laughs> still talking about Jalen Suggs, and then we have the follow-up video: Why are Raptors fans so obsessed with the Orlando Magic? And I always link them that video, and they're like, "Oh, well, it's not really an obsession." Like, yes, it is, and you guys prove it every single day. I don't know how that video is still showing up on their YouTube we, feed or wherever. We literally got a comment on that specific, like the follow-up video. We got a comment on that today. About like it literally was like Jalen Suggs the worst player in the draft. Like <laughs> you literally just proved the point that we made in this video that you guys are obsessed with the Orlando Magic. Like yeah. they're clowns, dude. They truly are. Let's talk about Franz Euro Basket averages because as special as this game was, he it's not like a flash in the pan. He's been doing this all tournament long. In seven yeah. games, really, I think we were we talked about this with Jay kind of after we recorded. It's really like a total of six games because there was a game that he really didn't play the second half because they were blowing the team out. 
And then the second half, I believe it was against Montenegro. I think it was Hungary. He right. missed like most of the second half because they were winning going away. And then Montenegro right. missed most of the second half with the injury. So this is mostly six games total, but 25 and a half minutes, 16.3 points per game, 52% from the floor, 53% from the three-point line, 93% from the free throw line, 4.1 rebounds, 1.1 assist, 0.9 steals, 0.9 block per game. So let's talk about like what is going on just in like the context of the entire tournament right now. So Germany is going to be playing Spain on Friday at 2.20 Eastern time in the Eurobasket semifinal. Today, Slovenia and Luka Doncic, uh, Gordon Dragic, Dragic, good grief. Foreign names are hard to say for me. They lost to Poland. Uh, France uh, beat Italy in the semifinal today. And Italy actually knocked out Nikola Jokic and Serbia a couple of days ago. So a big win for France in overtime over Italy. So Poland will face off against former Orlando Magic player Evan Fournier, who has not had a stellar uh, Euro basket, by the way, like we had anticipated he would. Uh, but Poland plays France on Friday at 11.05. So that semifinal uh, doubleheader there. And then if Germany advances, they'll play the winner of uh, France and Italy on Sunday. So super exciting coming up for uh, Germany, Franz Wagner fans, Orlando Magic fans. Uh, but yeah, Franz has just been so great in this tournament. When you look at the remaining players in the tournament, Germany has the leading scorer in Dennis Schroeder, although he has not been the most efficient player for Germany. We can talk about this in a second. Um, and the third highest scorer in Franz Wagner. Um, Spain has Willy Hernan Gomez, who has been the second highest scorer out of remaining players in Eurobasket. So it's going to be a big matchup. But now the question is, Kevin, can Germany win the entire thing, the entire Eurobasket? Yeah, it's, it's interesting when you think about the, you talk about some of the teams that have already been knocked out. You know, you think about literally the three best players in Europe right now, you know, in whatever order you want, Giannis, Jokic, and Doncic, right? Luka. Um, it's very interesting that all three of those guys are out. You know, you could argue that maybe all three of those guys maybe don't have the stronger teams around them. Certainly, you know, each of those guys have different NBA guys on, on their rosters. But um, I, I think top to bottom, probably Germany and France are probably the two strongest teams. You know, like I said, position like numbers one through 10, as opposed to maybe one through three. Um, and then, uh, but yeah, as far as far as the context of the remaining tournament, you know, uh, I think they got just as much a chance as anybody. You know, I would say France is their biggest opposition. And they already beat them and beat them soundly. Like if you remember that, that game ended up not being really close. You know, the second half, they really pulled away. And so I definitely, definitely think it's possible. Um, I might even consider them a favorite, you know, based on their form right now, like the way they've been playing, they've looked like the best team in the tournament. They've already beat France. Um, they haven't played Spain yet, so that'll be interesting. And, and they're not going to be easy. Don't get me wrong. Spain is no pushover. Like you said, Hernan Gomez brothers. Um, but I think it's definitely possible. Um, I just still can't get over Franz's splits. Like of all the stats, you know, over the course of his six, seven games, those shooting splits are ridiculous. You talk about efficiency and Schroeder. I mean, it's hard to argue. I know he had one pretty down game, and I'm struggling to remember who that was against. I want to say it was um, but, Slovenia. You know, when you look at it, it might have been uh, in, that game. In, yeah. in the, the group that's right. stage. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, we think about his whole body of work. When you look at those splits, it's like, 
why doesn't he get the ball even more, you know, um, which I guess can lead us to talk about, you know, Schroeder and the whole makeup of, of this team and how they kind of operate. Yeah, I just want to point out, um, like looking at, you know, France, they have Rudy Fernandez, who plays for uh, Real Madrid, one of the, you know, in the, the Spanish league, one of the best leagues in the world. They have uh, Willie Hernan Gomez and Juancho Hernan Gomez. Both of those guys have played in the NBA. Um, Usman Garuba as well, you know, another NBA guy. So Spain, like it really is a competitive team. It's not the same team that it was, you know, five or six years ago with like the Gasol brothers and everything, but right. Still a, a really good quality opponent. And you go back to the way that Germany looked in that second half against Greece. They're playing better than anyone in the entire tournament. Like France got kind of lucky today, just squeaking out a win against Italy. And, um, you know, it, it, it took overtime for them to, to get it done. And then Poland doesn't have a single NBA guy on it. Poland doesn't have a guy that I've ever even heard of. So <laughs> for them to beat Serbia, it just shows you that you know, Eurobasket and, and international play is a little bit different where it's really the sum of the parts rather than it is um, necessarily like the star players. So it's really exciting. But I mean, can Germany win it all? And then I think you were kind of alluding to like, can Franz be the MVP of Eurobasket? I think that is a legitimate question right now. Um, you know, Dennis Schroeder is leading the team in scoring uh, at 16.8 point or I'm sorry, 20.2 points per game. He had a, a big game um, you know, against Germany as well, 26 po- against Greece as well, excuse me, with 26 points. But when you look at the efficiency, it's it's really just not even close between him um, and Franz. Pulling up Dennis Schroeder's stats right now, he's shooting 39% uh, from the floor. He's shooting 26% from the three-point line. So, yes, he's scoring more points, but it's so evident that every single game that Franz is the best player on the floor for them and the offense, I would love to see the on-off numbers for Germany with Dennis Schroeder because without Dennis Schroeder on the floor, the ball just moves so much better. Uh, guys on you know the, the offense for Germany have a, a better opportunity to get in rhythm. And you just see like bonehead mistakes. I think it was the end of the half uh, for, for Dennis Schroeder. Or maybe it was the end of the third quarter. Like the clock is winding down. The shot clock and game clock differential is like Germany was set up perfectly to get the last shot. And he takes the shot with like four or five seconds left. It's like you're giving Greece an opportunity here. Luckily, Tice got the rebound and, and put it in. I think it was at the end of the third. So uh, Germany was starting to pull away. But um, yeah, if you would have asked me, you know, two weeks ago at the start of Eurobasket, a little over or no, two weeks ago from when we're recording, um, would Franz have a chance to win Eurobasket MVP? I, I probably wouldn't have said yes. And if they win it all, I don't know how Franz isn't the Eurobasket MVP. Right. I, I think it ultimately comes down to, you know, when it comes down to these MVP votes or whatever, it's how did you do when the lights were the brightest, right? And so for me, it's going to be how does Franz do, obviously, against Spain? And then if they were to win that game, Fair. how does he do in the final? Um, if he plays really well in both those games, and obviously Germany wins it all, I think he absolutely not only should win it, he not only could win it, he should win it. Like he's undoubtedly the most deserving. But like I said, Really, what's happened in the last six games isn't going to matter much when it comes to the MVP if he doesn't play well in the semi and the final. So I think there's That's a lot fair. still be to be decided, but I, I just hope, I would love to see them at least in the final. That would be so much fun. Especially in Berlin. I, I, I think yeah, that's been exactly. lost on some folks that, like, yeah, Germany is playing really well, but they have the home court advantage night in and night out in this tournament. And to win Eurobasket in Germany, which I believe at the start of this tournament, Germany was ranked 11th. 
like in worldwide like FIBA rankings, the U.S. obviously number one, no big deal. But to be ranked 11th um, and to make the run, you know, all the way to to the end and and win FIBA EuroBasket, it's just really crazy. And like you said, if he performs well in the semifinal and the final, just undoubtedly, you know, the MVP. And if we go back to the like the last month of you know friendlies, you know, before EuroBasket and to the Super Cup, Franz has been just by far and away Germany's best player. Like there's been a couple of games where maybe that wasn't the case, but just like if you look at the totality of the summer that he's had for Germany, um, I don't see a, a a path for Germany to win Eurobasket if Franz isn't having these types of performances. So it's it's really, really exciting. Kevin, what what did you think of just kind of like the social media reaction, just seeing everybody around, you know, the league and NBA Twitter like really finally realizing how good Franz can be? Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. It's it's in some ways it's rewarding. In some ways it's like we've been telling you this the whole time. Like, why don't you listen to us? You know, um, it's funny. You know, I, I have a friend here that I work with, and he not a Magic fan, but a basketball fan, big basketball fan. He he recognized kind of what happened yesterday, and really he's been keeping an eye on Eurobasket as a whole. He was like, "Man, Franz, I'm like, I know. <laughs> I've been trying to tell you. He's 21. And he's doing this, and he's this tall, and like all this stuff." So. It's it's rewarding, but you know, uh, obviously, we'll we'll see how it shakes out over the course of the regular NBA season. Um, seeing him back on the floor with the team and and all that kind of stuff, and lots of time to talk about that. But yes, super exciting, and uh, yeah, we'll see how how Germany gets on the rest of the way. Yeah, we really have been telling everyone all along, but like seeing everybody come around, it's like yes, finally, thank you, right? And we had so speaking of Raptors fans, you know, the clowns that they are. Somebody commented on, like, I think a Magic fan commented on our thing. It was like, you know, Franz is better than Scotty or whatever. And there's all of these Raptor fans that are, like, commenting ratio, 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 ratio. There's, like, 10 of them. And, you know, we retweeted, like, the Franz is better than Scotty tweet. And it's just, like, it's so funny to see it not getting ratioed. It's just, it's really hilarious. Raptors fans, they just do whatever they can. They want to pick a fight anywhere that they have a chance, so... All right, the last bit of news that we want to talk about. This has been rumored, you know, for the better part of a week, week and a half now. Uh, but the Magic kind of, you know, a little tongue in cheek with the tweet today where they tweeted out, you know, iOS 16 is, you know, kind of crazy. They had like a, a Franz Wagner a wallpaper and then they had the other one. If you haven't updated to iOS 16 yet, like our buddy Luke Sylvia probably will in about four or five years from now. But if you have, now you can add widgets like to your lock screen. And part of that is your calendar and the magic, you know, left a little detail in one of their, uh, one of their screenshots there that tomorrow at 9am is going to be the statement Jersey announcement, like the official release. Everyone's going to see what it looks like. And, you know, this leak came out on the 2k, I guess somebody data mined, uh, NBA 2k 23 and found this, uh, blue Jersey with the black pinstripes. It's got, uh, like the black collar and, and kind of like the ribboning, uh, you know, around the sleeves. And by all accounts, this is going to be the statement jersey that at this point, if it's not 9 a.m. yet, you guys haven't seen it. But um, if you're listening to this after 9 a.m., then you have seen it. But, Kevin, I just want to get your thoughts of this. We haven't seen the side panels of the jersey. We haven't seen the shorts. But uh, your your initial reaction looking at, looking at the jersey here. Yeah, um, I, I don't have any issues with it. I saw a lot of people saying it's boring or whatever. I mean, I, I don't, I didn't think it was boring at all. You know, I think it's, it's pretty classic Orlando. You know, the difference being, you know, in the past when we've had a blue jersey with pinstripes, they were white. 
you know, so this is something a little bit different, but still blue, still pinstripes. I, I really refuse to pass too much judgment without really seeing it. Not only was it a, a 2K, you know, like you said, data mine, it wasn't a super high quality one at all. You know, it's not on a figure, you know, on a player or whatever. This is it's like just 480p right here. Exactly. Yeah. It was with the, the little potato. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm not going to judge it at all really until I see it. But luckily, you know, as we're recording this, we're less than 12 hours away from seeing that. So, but based on what I saw, I wasn't worried about it at all. It's, it checks a lot of boxes. So we'll, we'll see what the, the actual one looks like. I will say it's certainly not bad, which is always a positive in itself. Like, you know, it could be a anthracite gray and an orange, you know, it could be that. And we, I would be furious about that. So I'm super excited to see like the, like the paneling on the sides. I'm excited to see yeah. the shorts. Um, more than anything, I'm excited to see it in person. Um, you know, in previous media days when they've unveiled new jerseys, at least like in person media days, uh, didn't have that a couple of years ago, obviously with COVID, but uh, in previous media days, they've had like the new jerseys on like mannequins so that you can see what they're going to look like in person. So maybe you and I will get a chance to see that, you know, on the, on the 26th, but uh, I think they're going to look pretty good in person. Like I said, they're, they're not bad. Could be a lot worse. The biggest issue that people still have with these jerseys is like this Orlando font, which I understand a lot of us want a rebrand. You want some kind of updated styling, but until that happens, you're going to continue to see this on every single one of the jerseys. If you replace that with like, obviously the old school Orlando magic Jersey, to me, it's a 10 out of 10, uh, but that is not the case. Um, but yeah, I would like to see that updated at some point, but yeah, excited to see like the announcement. I know our social media team is going to do a great job with that. Uh, so excited to see what the release looks like, but yeah, I mean, eh, I'm not, somebody said on Twitter, I'm uh, not Twitter on Reddit. I'm whelmed, not overwhelmed, not underwhelmed. You're just like, okay, just want to see more of it. And then like Kevin said, we can really form, I think a better opinion. All right. The last thing that we're going to do here before we get into our interview with Jay from Orlando magic uh, player history, we are going to go ahead and shout out our patrons. So if you have been living under a rock or you're a new listener of the show, uh, if you want to help financially support the show, you can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show, where we have three tiers of benefits that you can choose from to help financially partner with the show. Every single dime from the patron goes back into the show to help us upgrade things like equipment and other resources and just help us create better content for you all. Uh, Kevin, uh, do you want to shout out the patrons? You know I do. Before I like to give you Jonathan do break. that, I just want yep. to say we do have a new patron. We shout out our That's brand right. new patrons. A shout out to Breadhead. Uh, really uh, interesting name there, but appreciate your it. support. Thanks, uh, thanks for the, the the Hall of Fame to your patron. I love it. And as Jonathan said, you know we read off our Hall of Fame patrons on every episode. And when I'm on this show, by golly, I like to give Jonathan a break. Luke is selfish and just impl- you know assumes that Jonathan's going to read it off every time. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a break, Jonathan. All right, listen as I read. Our Hall of Fame patrons, Court Cousins, Armin, Carson Tulo, Jonathan Borges, Norm L, Magic Player History, who you're about to hear, Bailey Wiffle, Michael Salapong, Franz Goaded Fashow, Ryan Singh, The Distract, I'm Ron Burgundy, Pierre A, Dylan Holden, Mr. Mikey, Lil Penny, Drum, Danimal, Dedo 15, Bobby Skinner, Nate Donnelly, Goaty 93, Miss Teddy Sylvia, and breadhead thank you all so much for being patrons thanks to all of our wonderful patrons we appreciate each and every one of you isn't it mrs teddy sylvia or no it'd be mrs ron sylvia right 
Miss Teddy Sylvia, Luke's mom. Mm, we'll just call her Luke's mom. Perfect. All right. Perfect. Yeah. All right. That's going to do it for the patrons. Uh, we are now going to get into our interview with Jay from Magic Player History. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Magic fans, you all are in for a very special treat today. We are joined by Jay of Magic Player History. You can find him on Instagram and Twitter. Jay, uh, reporting from Down Under, how are you? Thanks for joining the show. I'm great, Jonathan. How are you guys going? Doing really well, man. We're excited to have you. We've been trying to make this happen for a long time, but especially this offseason. And we'll talk more about the bracket in a little bit. But we really wanted to wait for that greatest Magic player bracket of yours to finish up so that we had all of the results so that we can have a really good, healthy conversation about that. And we'll get to that in a moment. But I know you've been paying attention to FIBA Eurobasket, specifically Germany and Franz Wagner. Kevin and I talked about this a little bit ago, Jay. But what did you think? Well, what, what do you think of, of Franz so far throughout the tournament, but specifically against Greece yesterday? Uh, yeah, I was very excited. <laughs> to see you know the way that he played you know we're all worried about you know the sprained ankle is he going to be okay to play you know the he he was sort of iced up on the bench after he rolled at the previous game and um then he just comes out there and he's just draining step back threes in Giannis's face so (laughs) um all of a sudden we're like well not only is his ankle fine but you know I mean he played great throughout the tournament but yeah he he seemed to almost take it to another level there so um, yeah, amazing stuff, and um, down to the final four now with Germany, and I think they've got a real shot to win this thing because you know Luca just got knocked out tonight. So, yeah, Luca's out. You already beat France early in, earlier in the tournament. Spain is going to be tough to get past with the Hernan Gomez brothers, but if you can get past Spain, you have a real chance to win the entire thing. And if that happens, then Franz is is your EuroBasket MVP, and that's a massive deal. Well, I mean, he's our MVP. I did notice when they put up the the image for FIBA, put up the image for the the, the quarterfinals, and they had one player from each team that had Schroeder on there. And I was like, Schroeder? Are these guys even been watching these games? Like, France is <laughs> France is it? So, um, but yeah, look, I, it could be a rematch with France in the final. And you know, I know Germany did beat them once, but you know, beating them twice is not going to be easy. And yeah, you can't overlook Spain, the perennial powerhouse. So, um, hopefully couple more days, Franz's ankle's feeling even better and, you know, he can uh, take it to the next level because, you know, 
this is the kind of platform that we really needed to just stop being so overlooked, you know, by the American audience and for hopefully, you know, him to just go to that next level of play, but also popularity. Really exciting, you know, the game against Greece and especially like the step backs that he, that he was hitting. I don't know that he's going to be doing that on a regular basis once the regular season starts for the NBA. But the fact that, you know, it's like four attempts, almost like almost five attempts per game so far, seven games through Eurobasket, he's shooting over 50% from three. So are we going to see like Franz turn into like James Harden offensively? I don't know. But I think we are going to see like a significant jump in his three point percentage. I think he has a chance this year to be like close to 40%, which is a big deal for Franz. Yeah, the three-point line they are using is a little bit closer um, right. around the top of the key. It's the same on the corners. Um, but, yeah, and, and you have to remember on the attempts, you know, he did he sat out half a game um, against Hungary when um, Germany blew them out, and he missed almost half a game when he rolled his ankle as well. So, you know, he's probably really going to be take, averaging like five to six uh, three-point attempts per game if he, if he actually played the full games. But... Um, yeah, I mean, most of the threes he's been taking probably have been from around three-point distance because he's stepping back <laughs> and dropping them in people's faces. But, but yeah, I, I can't expect to see him be shooting 50% from the three-point range, but 40%, I mean, why not? Yeah, Jay, so it's been a lot of fun, obviously, watching Franz, and obviously we hope we get to watch him in two more games, you know, with the semifinal and then the final coming up on Sunday, but we'll see how that all shakes out. We want to talk a little bit about you now. Kind of want to get your backstory. You know, we kind of mentioned it earlier. You live in Australia, but you're a diehard Magic fan, so much so that you run the whole Magic player history page and all that. So I want you to take our listeners back. You know, Jonathan and I kind of know the story because if you don't know, uh, Jay is a patron of ours at Six Man Show. So shout out sixmanshow.com. Wait, no, that's not right. <laughs> Patreon.com slash the Six Man Show if you want to join up with Jay and the others. But so we know your backstory. Why don't you give our listeners kind of a peek behind the curtain for your magic fandom? These stories always fascinate us, but especially someone from Australia. How did you become such a big magic fan? Well, I got to tell you, you guys know part of the story, but, you know, I can take you guys on a journey here of what it was like, you know. So um, I'll start with how I became a magic fan because um, I I basically watched a documentary as like a 10-year-old kid about the value of like baseball and basketball cards and how, you know, that were growing in value and were a good, and, and for some reason, my 10 year old brain was like, Hmm, you know, this would be a good investment. Maybe I'll go and buy some basketball cards. And, um, I've got my first packet of basketball cards and I opened it up and sitting there right on the top was Nick Anderson, the white pinstripes, the flat top haircut. And, um, I was like, damn, this guy looks pretty cool. There's a uniform. I like this, you know, and I kind of shuffled through the deck and I think there was like a Patrick Ewing in there, in there. And, and, but I just kept coming back to that top card and I was like, no, this guy, I like this the most, you know, this was, this was my guy. And so I basically just decided, all right, I'm an Orlando Magic fan. This is my team. Um, but it didn't really mean anything as a 10 year old in Australia, you know, before the internet, I mean, how did you follow a team? So, um, the journey to, to that, um, is, is pretty interesting as, as, as an Australian. So basically in the early days, um, I, I followed the team through the newspaper. Um, so like once a week or so, you know, you'd, you'd get like the results and maybe the standings and, you know, basically saw that, well, Orlando, not that actually that good. <laughs> um, and I actually remember it was a friend who told me, um, cause during the off season, there was no coverage at all, but a, a friend told me, oh, we drafted this guy named Shaquille O'Neal. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting name. Is he any good? <laughs> you know, I was like 12 years old. So I had no idea what we were in for. 
And obviously, he took the Magic uh, franchise by storm, and and we know what what happened there, and and um and away we went. So uh, I do pride myself on being probably one of the few Australian fans who was on board before Shaquille was drafted. Um, and um, obviously, once Shaq was drafted, the popularity of Orlando worldwide blew up, and 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 then with Penny as well, and and so then we started getting in Australia. You know, they had like. The game of the week so they put one game on per week and Orlando was often one of those games and I would record those games on like my old VCR and I'd watch them over and over and over again so you know I'd be watching Anthony Bowie and Donald Royal and these guys just you know on 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 loop because when I couldn't watch the games live I'd just go and put the VCR tape in there and I'd watch one of the old games so um I can remember um once, once I was sort of 15, 16, I was begging my, my mum to stay up late um, because there was a sports show where they, they at, the, at the end of the night, they had the news and the sports show in Australia called Sports Tonight, and they would put on all, they would put up the, the scores from that day and they would have maybe like a 10 second highlight clip. And I can remember sitting up to like 11 o'clock at night as like a 15 year old kid and waiting to see the result of game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals, Orlando versus Indiana. And and I can remember running around my lounge room, fist pumping, trying not to wake anybody up when I saw it blew them out in game seven. And, you know, just had nobody to share this with, you know, living, you know, on the other side of the world. Um, so, yeah, the pre-internet days were tough um, as an Orlando fan. Um, just just having no way to sort of share the communication with, with other people. And it also sort of shaped the way that I follow follow the team and the kind of fan that I am. Um, so obviously we're going to talk a little bit about the brackets that I've had running on the Magic Player history um, over the off-season. But for those who followed the page during the season, most of the stuff that I had up there was very sort of statistical-based, numbers-based, you know, talking about the all-time list movers and that kind of stuff. And, and that kind of came out of the way that I followed the team because – I used to follow the team based on, you know, the basketball cards and um, looking at the box scores. And then once the internet came around, I would watch the online live box score because you couldn't watch the game live like in, you know, 1999. You know, there was no league pass or anything like that. Um, so I would sit there watching the live box score update and be like, oh, Daryl Armstrong just stole the ball and won the game against Philadelphia <laughs> in, the, in the last second. And, and then it was only after that that I got to go and watch the highlights of, you know, see that play actually sort of happen. Um, so that all kind of shaped like the kind of fan that I am, which kind of led into, you know, the kind of stuff that I do with the with the Magic Player History page. So not like you weren't just watching the the box score update. They had like the play by play to let you like the description yeah. of the last play, you know, Penny Hardaway just made a three point field goal and you know so on and so forth. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So obviously you're a massive Magic fan, you know how late do you usually watch the games live or do you watch them the, the next day, like DVR or something like that? So now, nowadays I, you know, have access to league, league pass and it's, you know, made things a lot easier. So the games in Australia pretty much fall like during my lunch break at work. So usually I'm reasonably flexible with my lunch hour, lunch break. And so I can basically schedule my lunch break to be like the second half of the game. Um, and so kind of, Often I've got like the first half on in the background, depending on how how busy work is and stuff. 
and then I sort of lock in and, and watch the second half of, of pretty much every game during my lunch break. So it, it falls pretty well time wise for us here in Australia. It's sort of a, a sort of a midday thing. But I do love those those weekend games where I can just put my feet up and watch the game from start to finish. Yeah, that's super convenient. I would love to be able to watch like clutch magic basketball right in the middle of the day and then have the rest of my day to well actually probably sulk if it didn't go well. Well, you but do that with the arsenal, right? That's true. I do. I absolutely do. But um, uh, so yeah, we've heard a little bit of your your you know backstory with how you became a Magic fan, and obviously you're still a diehard Magic fan to this day. But what led you to this whole Magic player history thing? If you don't, first off, if you don't follow Magic player history on Twitter, Instagram, you're missing out. It's one of my favorite accounts because of just how in depth it always goes with the history of the team and different players and all that kind of stuff. But what was the inspiration behind that? Like, what led you? to start that, not just start it. It's one thing to start it. A lot of people can start things. It's another thing to keep it going for as long as it's been going. So what was, what's kind of been your inspiration behind that? Um, so I guess with, with collecting basketball cards growing up and following the team that way, I, I sort of had a goal to try to collect one basketball card of every Orlando Magic player who ever played for the team. And I wanted a card of that player in an Orlando Magic uniform, you know, so didn't, didn't matter if you had, you know, like a, a Ken Birch card in Toronto uniform. No, it had to be Orlando Magic. And so, you know, I searched long and hard for these cards and then it kind of obviously figured out that a lot of these players didn't have a card made because they didn't play for the team for long enough to have a card made. And, I mean, back in the early 90s, they made cards of like literally everyone, you know, get hammock shout out, right? But, you know, these days it's just rotation players. So it became harder and harder to get a player, a card of every player. And so then... I kind of was like, well, maybe I can just find like a photo of each of these guys in an Orlando Magic uniform. And even that was hard. So some of these guys, you know, kind of realized that, you know, they 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 reached the pinnacle of their sport, you know, the NBA. And I had a tremendous amount of respect for the effort that it took these athletes to to get to that level, to make an NBA roster, you know, to sign a contract. And I don't care if they're on the end of the bench and played, you know, three games in a year and five minutes or whatever, you know, they they, they got there. And it, it kind of made me a little bit sad that there was no information out there on these guys. Nobody remembered some of these guys. And so basically I was like, well, you know, I remember a lot of these guys and, you know, I do have some footage of some of these guys on my old VCR tapes that I taped when I was a kid. And so originally Magic Player History was just a YouTube channel. And so I set out with the project of trying to make one video for each player who ever played for the Orlando Magic franchise. So we've got 274 guys currently who've played in a regular season game. And um, I've done about 40 episodes right now up on the YouTube channel. And I'm bogged down big time on the Anthony Hardaway video at the moment because it's a massive um, video. And there's so much interesting stuff with what happened with Penny and, you know, the way that he was drafted, the trades and, you know, the, his contract, the way that he signed the contract the Orlando Magic were the masters of cap manipulation in the 90s like there's some really interesting stuff there so um working hard on that but um yeah the plan was to just try to shine a light on some of these forgotten players that people have maybe never even heard of or forgotten about and and just to give them some sort of respect and I've had a really great response from some of these players you know I've had guys contact me and be like where did you get this footage you know I have no footage of me in an Orlando Magic uniform you know some of the some of the former players and that's been just amazing to be able to interact with some of those guys and, you know, to send them some of the footage that I had so that they had something, you know, because they had nothing from their time in Orlando. And, you know, that's been really cool. Um, so basically that was the, the motivation behind it. Started off as a YouTube channel, but 
I started Instagram and Twitter as a way to promote the YouTube channel. And then that has kind of um, evolved into what we have today on, on, um, on Instagram and, and uh, Twitter. What is the process like of getting this footage from VHS to digital? How, how complicated is that? Um, For those of you that don't know what VHS is, there <laughs> used to be these big cassettes that you could record video on, and then you put them into this machine yeah. that would then place that to your TV. Not everything is streaming, folks. Yeah. A lot it of our audience simple. is younger and, and doesn't have no idea what a VCR even is. So yeah, wanted to clarify that. It, was, it wasn't that. simple. So I, I had to buy one of those combined sort of VCR DVD players to start, and then... Basically, I needed to get the necessary sort of cords and extensions that instead of connecting the that dual player to the TV, I could connect it to the laptop and it would convert the playback um, into the screen on the laptop and then basically just use a screen recorder on the laptop to screen record it. So, um, I mean, potential a little bit of loss of quality there, but we're not talking like great quality on these VHS tapes anyway. You know, it's like the mid-90s, so... Yeah, but yeah, it wasn't a simple process, but um, I was determined to kind of get there in the end and um, got some 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 good sort of footage out of it. I love that. So we really want to talk about your greatest Magic Player bracket that you put together really this offseason. It's been running for months and months now. Where did you get the idea to, to put that together and how did you like come up with some of the, the seedings? Uh, so to be honest... The, the main reason I put it together was I was just sort of racking my brain about what to do in the off season because I'd, I'd grown a pretty good following during the last season, you know, and then um, the previous season I did nothing in the off season. I just went off and made my videos again and lost a lot of the, the following during the off season because, you know, if, you, if you're not putting content out there, then people stop following you. So I, I was trying to rack my brain on what I could do to fill the off season and, and this was basically what I came up with because I think a lot of times, you know, people will talk about, you know, who's the best player in Orlando Magic history? Um, I know you got your thoughts on that. Um, yeah, or even who, who's, who's on the Mount Rushmore of, of Orlando Magic players. Um, but then, and, and if we talk about best players by position, usually all people care about is who's the number one player, who, who's the number one power forward in Magic history. But um, again, what I'm trying to do is remind people about some of the lesser known players and shine a light on those guys. So, you know, where does Pat Garrity rank? on our all-time power forwards, you know? Where does Anthony Bowie rank in our all-time shooting guards? So I was interested in not just finding out who was the number one shooting guard or small forward of all time, but can we rank the top 10? And to choose the top 10, I did, like, many ways you could have done this, whether you were saying, like, who is the most talented player who has ever played for the Magic or, you know, but when, when I look at the term the greatest player, like, I look at like what they kind of did for the franchise. So, um, you know, I, I kind of it kind of ruled out players who maybe played for us for like you know a season or a half a season, but were really talented, and looked at guys who you know played here for for a long time. So I, I put a minimum qualifier of a hundred games and um, three thousand minutes on it. Just you know, I had to look, draw the line somewhere, which you know that kind of ruled out. Like Vince Carter, for example, who played 97 games and I uh, had a few people sort of messaging me like, why is Vince Carter in here? And it was like, well, if I had to put the thing at, you know, 82 games and I would have had it just eliminating other people. So I had to draw the line somewhere and I just basically just picked 100 games just out of the back of my pocket and, and that's what we went with. So that, that's that's what kind of gave us the the 10 guys from, for each list and then the community decided from there. So I, I tried not to um, influence it 
the vote. Like I have my interpretation of what the greatest magic player means, but I wanted the community to decide what they thought the greatest magic player meant. Yeah, it was, it was definitely interesting looking through um, some of the specific brackets and we'll talk obviously more about, more about them, but I think in more general terms, before we talk specifically about the different positions, one thing that I noticed, and, and we can probably break this down a little bit, was that um, the votes were different. You know, you ran polls on on Instagram and Twitter, and by and large, it was mostly the same. But there were a couple of different outliers that were tr- kind of drastically different between the two platforms, which I found kind of interesting. Did that surprise you? And maybe what do you what kind of do you draw from that information, if, if anything at all? It, look, it did surprise me a little bit, and it made things a lot more work because I had to do up double the graphics. Um, for Instagram and Twitter. Um, And every every time the bracket kind of diverged, it it made things a lot more complicated to keep track of as well. So, um, but it it was just, it was either that or try to compile the votes from the two into like one ranking, which I just just thought that would be also challenging, have its own challenges. So I I just went with sort of separate for Instagram and Twitter. Um, To be honest, probably the biggest outlier is is JJ Reddick. Um, Seems to be a lot more popular on Twitter than he is on Instagram. And and I mean, it did give us maybe a little bit of information about the, the different audiences there, um, whereas Instagram potentially a younger audience and some of the older guys are lower ranked. And on Twitter, um, maybe a slightly more mature audience who remember some of those older players. Um, so um, we, yeah, so Terry Catledge as well was, uh, so back to, so Reddick was, he, he actually ranked the number two shooting guard on Twitter um, in franchise history, which did surprise me actually, um, and I think, and I don't know whether that was a little bit connected to you know the popularity of his podcast and a lot of what he's done after he played for the Magic and whether that kind of factored in. Um, whereas on Instagram, he was sort of ranked number five. So um, by and large, the top four were in step, apart from the shooting guards um, across the platforms. There were some minor differences, um, but. But for pretty much, you know, the top three or four, most people were like, these are the top three or four guys. Um, and, and again, like a lot of it was like, I was more interested in like, who, who do people think was, you know, five, six, seven, eight, you know, those kind of guys as well. So. Other than, than JJ, what was the, like the biggest surprise to you? I mean, I know there's a massive you know, difference between his Instagram, you know, what he was rated on Instagram, fifth all time and on Twitter, like you mentioned, second all time. But beyond that, what was like the the biggest surprise to you? I got to say Shaquille O'Neal beating Dwight Howard as the number one center of all time. Um, look, good answer. I, <laughs> I I'm not gonna like. <laughs> Let's I, get I think, into this. I think you can make an argument for Shaq, but I, I think the, a lot of the argument for Shaq is off court. You know what he did for the franchise off the court, making a name for them, putting them on the map, that kind of stuff. If you just look at the on-court numbers, I, I just don't think you can go away from Dwight Howard as the number one center of all time. So again, when we're talking about the greatest centers of all time, potentially we're, we're encompassing what they did off the court as well. And we know that Dwight, unfortunately, doesn't have the absolute best reputation off the court. And I mean, neither player left the franchise in a great way you know that left you know, the fans happy so you know that potentially maybe people you know more people have forgiven Shaq than have forgiven Dwight and of course Shaq is very popular now in the public eye still you know so again maybe that factored in but um 
I mean, I don't think it was definitive. Like on Twitter, it was literally one vote. So Shaq beat Dwight by one vote on Twitter. Um, whereas Instagram, he he but he he did win by a little bit more on Instagram. But but yeah, apart from apart from Reddick, I would say that was probably my biggest surprise. To me, it was surprising, but. I guess maybe it it really shouldn't be, Kevin. I don't know how you feel about this. I know that you think Dwight is the greatest, not only center in Magic player history, but the greatest player you know in, in Magic history. Um, Kevin, how did you feel about this when you saw it? I was really upset. Yeah, I I think Jay's right. I think it it probably boils down to um, Shaq's current standing with not just Magic fans but basketball fans as a whole, right? You know, Shaq is still incredibly popular, still very much in the public eye. Uh, he's got a great gig doing, you know, TNT. It's hard to look bad with with that show, you know. Um, so I'm sure that played into it. And I think also time probably played into it. You know, Jonathan, we did, when was that? Earlier this year, I guess, maybe we did our whole Dwight Howard episode and have you forgiven him and all that kind of stuff. I think that was like April or May. Yeah. Right, yeah, exactly, which was, which was great. It was a great conversation. It started a lot of conversations online. And uh, I felt for the most part, most people had forgiven him. Um, but there was still plenty that had. And so all that to say, I think that all probably contributed to the final vote. But like you said, Jay, it was just one vote. It was super tight. Still kind of surprising that it, that it wasn't Dwight on top, though. But I think in a couple of years, probably, that'll probably change. And I will say, you know, shameless plug here, our old video. If you haven't seen that, you can go back. And if you specifically want to look at this conversation, we have a, a video titled, like, The Greatest Magic Player of All Time. And it's it's Dwight versus Shaq. Like that's really the the main conversation there. But when you compare the resumes to each of those guys just in their time in Orlando, it is not even close. Dwight just in every like per game is a different conversation, but like statistical totals, the individual accolades, uh, e- even the team success. You know, I would give the the slight edge to to Dwight Howard there. They won a game, you know, in their final series. So. Um. Yeah. I mean, Jack. They didn't win a single game. So, the other thing that I thought was interesting through the polls was, and I want to thank you guys for sharing a lot of the polls on the Six Man Twitter account, and that did bring a lot more eyes to the polls and um, a lot more followers to to Magic Player History. But um, I have to say that potentially a lot of the people who follow the Six Man account they do not like Evan Fournier. Okay, so I don't know. I'm whether not shocked at all. <laughs> not shocked by that at all. So, and and I can give statistical proof now because um, in in the bracket we had in the quarterfinals we had Terence Ross was matched up against Evan Fournier, and this was a poll that you guys didn't share, and um, Evan Fournier beat Terence Ross about sixty percent of the vote to forty percent to um, so Fournier got sixty percent, Ross got forty percent. And then when we got to in the the final sort of rematch for third and fourth plates, you guys shared the poll. And this rang around three times as many votes. And this time it was flipped with T-Ross got 60% of the vote and Fournier got 40% of the vote. So once the six-man audience were piled in there, they were very T-Ross heavy and uh, not such fans of Evan Fournier. So I don't know whether we need to have a serious conversation about... um, how much Evan Fournier actually gave for this team because I think he's very unfit, like mis- miscast in his role, but did the guy not give everything he had every night? I've already I've already tried to sell all of our <laughs> listeners on Evan Fournier. 
Jay, I'll let you. I'll, I'll let I'll let another perspective come in. And, and what do you think of Evan Fournier? Look, I, I, I think that the flaw was in um, the roster management, basically. Like Evan Fournier, he's not a number one or a number two guy, but he was forced into that role in Orlando. And yeah, at the end of the game, you know, he had a few times where he dribbled it off his knee or turned, you know made an errant pass or whatever, but he also had some times where he hit it, you know, a clutch basket or whatever. And if you're Steve Clifford at the end of the game, like that's your best option on those teams. I'm sorry. That's your best option. And as I said, no, he was passionate. He tried the best that he could. And, and, you know, that's all I really want out of a player. Like if that, if that guy is giving full effort, you know, then I'm a fan, you know, if the guy is maybe not as talented as, as somebody else, well, you know, it's not really on him. Like he's, if he's doing the best he can, that's, that's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm there for. So I think, I think Evan was a very good shooting guard for the Orlando magic. Um, you know, he played for us for a long time. I think, um, you know, racked up some decent numbers, you know, some clutch buckets in there. Yeah. He wasn't perfect, but um, as I said, in many of those situations, I just think he was the best that we had at the time. And um, what are you going to do? Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that's the ultimate question when, you know, when Steve Clifford was coach and Evan Fournier was there, you know, who else are you going to go to in crunch, in crunch time? You know, like who else? Literally, you know, um, I, I, I wanted to, I'm glad we're talking about the shooting guards because that was really kind of the biggest topic I wanted to discuss, you know, when it came to this bracket is because the other positions by and large, especially at the top, like you mentioned, everyone kind of has has an idea of who they are maybe you switch a couple people around but shooting guard was the one that was the most all over the place on both brackets um i know you you wanted to stay out of it you know over the course of the voting with your personal opinion but i think now's a good time you can you can put that away and so i'd kind of like to hear jay's personal opinion maybe it's like your top three shooting guards of all time um i, I think you're a, obviously a big nick anderson fan so i I don't think that'll be a surprise if he's number one. So maybe it's like top four. Like who are your other three shooting guards that you would put behind, you know, Nick Anderson in, in magic history? Well, we probably got to talk about the elephant in the room here because I got raked over the coals over my choice to put T-Mac in the bracket as a small forward. Yeah, that's a good point. And, about, yeah. you know, I, I do want to address that a little bit. So again, like when I created the polls, I was like, T-Mac Wherever he goes in, he's going to be either the number one shooting out of all time, the number one small forward of all time. Like, it's not going to matter. He's going to win that that poll. And I was more interested in who was going to be, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, whatever. So I didn't really put too much thought into those top guys about where to shove them. And I probably made a couple of prob- a couple of mistakes in where I kind of put guys in, especially nowadays when the positions are much more fluid. So um, T-Mac probably is the number one shooting guard of all time, really, if – if we're, if, we, if we're classing him as a shooting guard, okay? So, and, you know, to me, you know, a lot of, as I said, the way I followed the game, you know, once Grant Hill got down injured, um, you know, to me, you know, T-Mac played a lot of time at small forward. Um, but, you know, he, he also, you know, played a lot of time at shooting guard. So um, if we're putting T-Mac as a small forward, then I think he's hands down number one shooting guard of all time. Um, in this bracket, I did put him in as a small forward. Okay, shoot me. All right, I did it. But um, so based on the bracket, my top three, I'm going to go Nick Anderson, number one. I, I say Evan Fournier, number two. <sighs> number three is where it gets tricky. Um, I love T-Ross, 
but I, I just, I just think, I don't know people are going to hate me on this, but I just think Victor Oladipo is a better player than Terrence Ross. Um, like I love T Ross. I love him. Um, and, um, I, I just like JD Redick, I just don't think he was, I mean, he had maybe one, two seasons that were good in Orlando, but you know, his, his first sort of four or five, he just didn't really do much. Um, you know, he made some clutch buckets in the playoffs for us late in his Orlando career. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think Oladipo, maybe I'm getting clouded by what he did after he left Orlando, because again, you know, he was kind of miscast. I tried to make him play point guard and all the rest of it, but, um, I, I just, I love Terrence Ross. I love him, but I just have a hard time putting him as my number three. Yeah, I think that's that's why I love this conversation because you could line up 10 diehard Magic fans and you would get 10 different answers for this question. Jonathan? I mean, yeah. Like, you know, Tracy McGrady, probably a shooting guard. But, like, in terms of this bracket, like, Nick, if you're, if T-Max not there, it has to be Nick Anderson. For me, number two, it is Evan Fournier. Like, people, there's definitely some, like, JJ is so, like, culturally relevant and everybody love, like, everyone loves JJ. So I understand the folks, especially on on you know Twitter, that voted him second. Um, but for me, just Evan Fournier was, if you just look at the numbers, he was the better player here. JJ had more team success, was part of you know a, a finals run. So I understand why people hold him in such high regard. Number three, I would I would say JJ, just because of the fact that he did have like real team success here at like the highest level possible outside of winning, winning a championship. But to me, it's close between him and Terrence Ross. Um, Terrence Ross has been here for so long and obviously has been so dynamic and has been part of a couple of playoff teams here. Victor was a good player, you know, in his few seasons here, but just never really had the team success. The team was just flat out awful when he was here. And when he did have statistical success, the team was still very bad. So I've got to defend my take just slightly because it it all depends on how you interpret the, the greatest, you know, because... Part of part of what I did, I guess, was how how would JJ have gone in, in Oladipo's role, or how would Terrence Ross have gone in Oladipo's role? And I certainly don't think we would have had more team success um, with those guys in his role. How would Oladipo have gone, you know, in JJ's role? Could he have, you know, fit into that team? Not sure, um, but I certainly think that Oladipo, um, again, you know. It was more of a roster management issue rather than you know how sort of talented the guy was. So just defending that pick a little bit, um, but yeah, I, I can't argue with 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 JJ or even T Ross there. Like it's um, you know all those guys have their fan followings, and um, you could make an argument for any of them. Well, like Kevin said, you know it's it's a fun conversation to have because if you line up a few different Magic fans, chances are, especially as you start to get into those three, four, five, six, seven, you know, through ten. There's going to be a lot of a lot of different answers there, um, but other than that, I, I I'm pretty proud of the way that Magic fans voted in this poll. There were some times where I, I would look at like the beginning of Jay's poll, and I was like, I've got to retweet this because this is not going the way that I want it to, or I think that it should go. I try to retweet all of them, but because of the time difference, there was some times that I missed them or, or forgot to to retweet those. But I was just trying to give you as much of you know as large of a data set as we could. You know, to to give us yeah, uh, no, some very more thankful for there. very thankful for that for sure. Um, definitely got a lot more eyes on there, and you know, like it's it's obviously not definitive. It's not like we got you know five hundred thousand people to vote here, but obviously the larger the sample size, the better. And um, you know, hopefully in a few more years' time, when the magic of 
picked up steam and, and the Magic Player history is uh, a lot more people are interested in it, we can roll out these polls again and we'll be arguing between Paolo Banquero and Wendell Carter Jr. as one of the greatest centers of all time and where does Markel Fultz slot in on the point guards and, um, you know, we can revisit the conversation. Well, you're talking about a lot of future NBA champions there, so those, that's going to, like, catapult those guys up to the top of the list, I think. Yeah, especially when they win their third ring. That'll just put yeah. them at the top. Yeah, in a row, especially, like, three in yeah. a row. Like, the three-peat is really going to carry some carry some weight there. I think once we take two finals games, we put, push them all to the top, right? Yeah, pr- pretty much. Exactly. That is correct. But, Jay, this is a lot of fun talking to you, man. We appreciate you joining the show. Let everyone know where they can find you. They can find you on Instagram, Twitter, Magic Player History. But what's your handle on each of those platforms there? Yeah, look, if you just look up Magic Player History on Instagram, Twitter, um, YouTube as well, of course. Um, hopefully, I'll have that Penny Hardaway video coming out in the not-too-distant future. It is, you know, I, I, I try to make the, the videos as detailed as I can, and I, I try to find information that I either forgot or didn't know and you know that's not easy um but there's a lot of digging that goes into those and um i mean the story as i said the story of penny it's 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 a fascinating one and um there's a lot that people don't know like we all know that he got injured and that kind of curtailed his career um, but a lot of people don't know like when the injury actually happened and, and what sort of caused that to become something that plagued him throughout his career and um you know, digging into that has been has been a lot of fun, and um, hopefully, it won't be too much longer before I can uh, roll that one out. Yeah, and I'll also just say for our younger viewers, younger listeners out there, when you hear us old folks talking about Penny, and you roll your eyes, when when this project is done, go watch Jay's video, and you're gonna see why those of us that got to watch him rank him so highly. He was unreal, an unreal basketball talent and it's a shame that his career ended earlier than we had hoped with the injury that that jay just mentioned i feel like at this point penny has almost become like a like a like a mythical creature like people people really have forgotten because it's been so long since he was at his absolute prime you know his first couple of years in orlando prior to prior to Shaq leaving and then a, a little bit after that but i know kevin's heard me say this a million times on the podcast but the one stat uh, from Penny Hardaway that just always jumps out at me is that in his second season he was first all in first team all NBA. That never ever 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 happens. And at the time, you know, in the '90s, very much a, a, a golden era, you know, of point guards. In a second year for him to Shaq didn't even make first team all NBA that imagine, season. No. He didn't that's make how it. Good, yeah, that that's how good Penny Hardaway was. So people forget about Penny, but he was. Obviously, a, a massive point guard. What was Penny? Six, seven, six, eight. Seven, yeah. yeah. Incredibly athletic. Had all the vision in the world. Could get to his spots. Knock it down from everywhere. Penny was was very special, and, and people uh, forget that. So I'm excited for your video, Jay. When that comes out, send that to us. We'll absolutely share that so that everyone can go back and, and look at that. Because unfortunately, especially with the younger generation, like Kevin said, Penny's been pro- forgotten a little bit. Well, yeah, if anybody does want to go back and look at, you know, I've kind of done those those sort of 40 or so episodes of, of players, the first sort of guys who, who played with the team, all the guys from the expansion draft, you know, all the way up to basically when Penny was drafted is where we're kind of at on the journey at the moment. And, you know, there, there's some there's some videos in there that I'm pretty proud of, like the Bison Daily video. So, you know, for those people who don't know the story of Bison Daily, like I recommend that one. I, I spent a lot of time just making sure that I got that video right because, you know, that's obviously – um, a complicated story. Um, so yeah, 
if, if you guys have got nothing to do while you're waiting for the season to roll around, then just uh, <laughs> hit us up on YouTube and uh, roll through some videos for sure. Awesome. Well, Jay, thanks so much for joining the show, man. This was a lot of fun. Uh, this will not be the last time, but looking forward to your coverage of the team starting the regular season here in a few weeks. And once again, thanks for joining the show. No worries, guys. Heaps of fun. Thanks a lot. All right. That was our chat with Jay Stone from Orlando Magic Player History. Big thanks to Jay for joining the show. It was a lot of fun. Always good to talk to him. Kevin, man, Magic fans, if you're on Instagram, if you're on Twitter, you might feel a different way about things. But I just cannot believe that Dwight Howard did not get voted as the number one center of all time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know we just talked about it with Jay. It's 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 interesting. It's definitely interesting. Uh, questionable. It's hard because on some level, I can't be super angry about it. You know, I get it, you know, especially if you're not like a super duper diehard. Like if you're like slightly surface level, you'll probably vote for Shaq. But for most of us that really, really follow the team, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But like I said, give it a couple of years. I think anyone who kind of has the still the animosity towards Dwight, that'll go away and, and he'll be, you know, far and away the best magic player of all time. I think especially... Like on social media, the majority of our listeners and Magic fans are younger. So mm-hmm. a lot of them who have only been maybe following the team for like 10, you know, 10 years or so. You've just been heard like over and over and over again that Magic fans hate Dwight Howard, like over and over again. So it's just almost become like this common mentality that a lot of folks have. And yeah. I hope that changes eventually. But to me, that's what kind of makes the most sense. It's like you're old school fans since 1989 are going to vote for Shaq because he just transformed the franchise and the city. And then if you're a younger fan, you know, if, if you're only, I don't know, somewhere between like 12 to 22 years old, somewhere around there, most of your experience go with Dwight Howard has been the fact that for a long time, everybody hated him. I hated him for years and years and years. We've forgiven him, but hopefully over time, you know, that should change. If it doesn't, like you said, you can't really be mad at Shaq. Um, but yeah, it's a fun, fun chat with, uh, with Jay before we sign off here one more time. We're going to let you know here coming up the preseason finale, October 14th versus the Cleveland Cavaliers. Donovan Mitchell should be playing for the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, in this preseason game. If you guys want to join us for that preseason game, we're trying to fill the lower bowl, trying to make a lot of noise for our Orlando magic, really set the tone for the regular season. But you can find tickets at Fevo, which is spelled F-E-V-O dot M-E slash The Six Man Show. Fevo dot M-E slash The Six Man Show. Tickets are going fast. They are in limited supply. And uh, pretty soon they're going to be out of tickets. So if you want to join us for that night, make sure you do that. And then our buddy John McCall, who works for the Orlando Magic as a ticket rep, he's been helping us put all of this together. He is giving away two tickets to two lucky fans. So a total of four tickets to the preseason game on October 11th versus the Memphis Grizzlies. So there might be a chance that you'll see John Morant at that game. So it's going to be a lot of fun. You want a chance uh, to win those Grizzly tickets at well as well. Again, Fivo.me slash the six man show. Kevin, I think that's going to do it for us. Yeah, a lot of fun. Jay is as knowledgeable a Magic fan as there is on this planet. So it's always good to talk with him. Great guy. Uh, and yeah, obviously great to talk about Franz and let's, Come on, Germany. Let's bring it home. Come on, and, Germany. Uh, let's win Eurobasket. Franz is going to have a quick turnaround. You know, the the FIBA Eurobasket final on the 18th, and then he's got to come back to Orlando, and training camp starts the 22nd with media day, on, uh, 27th with media day on the 26th. So looking forward to all of that. 
But that is going to do it for this episode. For producer Kevin Tucker, this has been Jonathan Osborne. You're listening to The Six Man Show. We will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Sixth Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps out the show a lot. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Sixth Man Show. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic!